Hello my friends, this is Alex. Welcome to Socialism Survival Podcast number 64. I don't know uh, what to call it, tradition or fate, but this Monday is even colder than previous and I had to use lots of my time to take care of my garden. While I'm working now on this podcast, the temperature rapidly drops outside. Even Florida Governor Christ announced today the state of emergency because sub-freezing temperatures are threatening to kill crops and, of course, damage Floridian economy. While we all know that governments freeze, damages our economy a lot more. I thought while warming up back inside my home that it could be helpful and educating to talk about our survival of cold winters in Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic where I was born and grew up. First I was born when it was cold season. That meant a lot, especially for baby's father, because fathers weren't allowed inside maternity hospitals, and few of them had cars. They had to wait outside under multi-story building for hours to find out if everything went okay, who was born, boy or girl, or maybe even twins. Babies were usually delivered in a delivery room. After a child was born, mom was placed into recovery chamber with few other women and then either she or someone from the chamber would open the window above and yell to happy father with flowers in his hands and icicles hanging from his nostrils. Hey, dance young man, you have a son or daughter, if it was a girl. Before gasification reached our area of the city, most of the homes were heated by brick stoves using both wood and coal. I remember my grandfather's brother was a big master in construction of such stoves. And whenever new houses were built, he was in great demand. Unlike American common fireplace where most of the heat is wasted, Russian or Ukrainian brick stove or oven uh, can be translated either way, had air passages built in such way that hot air was used to its maximum. 
the one we had in our Ukrainian home, as well as the most I've seen, or stove, oven, and furnace combined. I'm just using the word stove for the convenience. Our stove was located in the big room that was the kitchen, living and dining rooms combined. The hot air traveled inside the wall that divided two other rooms. As a result, three rooms were directly heated and fourth room adjusted to the living dining kitchen area had its door always open to keep it warm. The stove had two sets of rounds on the top that covered one small and one large hole for various pan sizes. To increase direct heat, some rounds were removed from under the pan. To decrease, the opposite was done. Maybe it is just my opinion based on childhood memories, but I think that mom's borscht and pancakes prepared on that oven tasted lots better than what we have now cooked on modern electric stoves. In the oven hollow, we baked all kinds of pies and cakes. In the warm seasons, when the brick stove wasn't used, our family cooked either on propane butane stove or in another small building that we called summer kitchen, where we had another brick stove. From few things that I described, you can see that the stove had multiple purposes. It was the source of heat to keep our house warm and it was placed for cooking, frying, and baking. But not only this, in the winter, the laundry, after being freeze-dried outside, was then brought inside close to the stove to finish drying process. Sometimes, when I needed quickly a pair of clean socks or a shirt, I would hand wash it with a soap and then throw it on the top of hot oven to dry. Or if we were hungry and couldn't wait for someone to cook, we would just throw a few potatoes in the oven, bake and eat it. In the winter we would often drink wild dog rose hot tea that was in the pot, always hot on the top of the oven. The taste of the tea was so special and the color was almost red after sitting there for hours. The stove or oven was also used to melt whatever needed to be melted. For water heating, for tempering steel and even for destroying things. As a young boy, I loved writing poems in my room next to the heated wall. I tried to do it in secrecy, but once my poems were discovered and read out loud 
by my sister. I got so mad that grabbed my manuscripts, opened the burning stove and threw it in the fire. I am sorry I did that, but being 10-11 years old, I didn't have any desire to share my feelings and my talent with the world. In the winter we would eat whatever was harvested and preserved from our garden, like canned fruits, tomatoes, cucumbers, also potatoes, carrots, onions and garlic from the cellar. Everything we were eating in the winter was received in exchange for our hard work. Of course, don't forget, our dad had to buy a lot of wood and coal for our brick stoves. And after dump truck unloaded it next to our house, we boys had to carry it in buckets from there to the storage area. It took hours to do that. I remember as a small boy looking terrified at the mountain of heavy anthracite. Well, even coke and thinking I'll die next to it. Of course, running all day in the field and in trenches with brothers and friends wouldn't hurt me as much as that coal. My friends, socialists, promised us happy, warm, well-fed future. They just forgot to mention that they planned to deliver all of that with our own hands. And our struggle there was just the way to tell them that we can do all of that without them forcing us to work for the fulfillment of their promises. While staying warm in my house on a cold Floridian night with temperature at freezing point and while melting delicious chocolate in my mouth, I enjoy sharing with you my memories of Soviet Union meltdown that started approximately 20 years ago. Some people are saying, who could believe that such powerful empire would collapse? Well, we believed because we were building our future with our own hands in spite of socialism promises to build better future using our hands. We believed because it was prohibited to believe. We believed because God said so. Yes, the Soviet Union collapse was also predicted in many prophecies. I hope my American friends you know now 
what to do when you go out and see as your liberal socialist neighbor prepares to build the utopian future with your hands. You know now what to do when your socialist government is trying to build their paradise with the money they had stolen from you and with your hands. And if you know, then believe in it and do it with your own hands. Thank you for this wonderful time that we had together. Me speaking and you listening to me on one cold winter night. Please don't forget to visit my socialismsurvival.com website to send me your feedback to share this podcast with others and to join me on Facebook and Twitter. Until the next week, when you will hear again the voice of common sense, your socialism survival host, Alex. Alex.